In this episode of Common Sense Amia, we'll be chatting with Al Shermer, the Chief Revenue Officer of Trion and Canaview, a company working hard to fill a huge hole in the digital marketing space for cannabis companies by providing targeted ad campaigns based on a wealth of consumer data. Al, welcome to Common Sense Amia. We appreciate you being here. Hey, I appreciate you having me on, Will. These it's conversations great to be here. have been uh, a ton of fun for me because... Um, they're like little mini master classes for me. I, you know, I get to talk with people who are doing all sorts of different things in this space. Uh, not a lot of them in the tech space, which I kind of consider my company, you know, Canna Planners is, we're sort of tech adjacent. We're tech, we're tech-ish. Um, but, sure. you know, so I've been talking to a lot of like dispensary owners or CBD, you know, producers, people trying to build brands. Um, and it's, I've had a couple tech people, right? I've talked to Zach Lipson from Dutchie and and uh, Sam Houston from Cannabuzz. So a couple people trying to do like, a, you know, online method or SaaS uh, business model, those sorts of things. And it's always interesting. Like, I love talking to all of the people I talk to, but when I get to talk, it just feels like talking shop. And I leave these conversations feeling far more educated. I'm like, ah, oh, that was a really good perspective. You know, I used to be able to like go hang out with all you guys at trade shows or like, you know, through whatever networking events. Now I host a podcast and I make you come to me. So I appreciate you being here. <laughs> uh, yeah. Of- once upon a time, we'd probably be at the uh, chandelier bar at, uh, at CES or something like that. Soon. Well, we're we're gonna be in Vegas, and I can't wait because it's the first trade show. I mean, I don't even remember. Maybe since Vegas <laughs> of like two years yeah. ago, like I I don't even know. So I'm excited for those to be coming back, and and CES is a, a fun one. Yeah, <laughs> we'll be there. We'll, we'll we'll represent all the the weed contingency. I'm sure it's growing though. It must be growing. Oh, it's it's. It is growing, uh, no pun intended, but yeah, rapidly growing, new players in the field. And, and just kind of like you touched on, uh, so many different people from so many different backgrounds and different spaces uh, that are kind of getting in, involved in this industry in one way or another. So it's a it's super exciting time. Absolutely. I find um, that the, you know, there's a, there's a different kind of business acumen depending on where you enter the industry. You know, you either come in... Um, maybe super young at, you know, into the industry and you, you know, this is the first thing you've ever done, or you've had a career outside of cannabis, kind of like you or I, and then brought that knowledge back into cannabis to figure out, okay, well, we realize that this thing is happening around us. And like, we have the, you know, like Liam Neeson, we have these certain sets of skills that we can, you know, that are of value to the cannabis industry. And it's just like really fun seeing like, all these things that years ago would have been, you know, marketed towards, I don't know, whatever, just like e-commerce or whatever, just boring stuff, you know, like now we get to make it, you know, now it's all cannabis. It's, it's, it's more fun. I have one initial question. Well, I have many questions for you, but my first question for you, um, because you're a Jersey guy is, uh, Taylor ham or pork roll, which is it? (laughs) I'm a pork roll. Uh, guy, so there is a southern Jersey line. guy. That's exactly <laughs> southern Jersey. I am a southern Jersey guy, so I am located uh, about 20 25 minutes outside of Philadelphia. Right, so on. I am I am definitely a pork roll guy. 
<laughs> it's it's a really important question because I have a rich I'm not from Jersey my wife is though I have a rich history with Jersey helps me figure out what lines of questions where I if I know where you're at you know I can I can pull in certain things you know Jersey things um yeah you, you know, go <laughs> we, you know our our uh our our wedding band for sure was playing lots of Bruce Springsteen a bit Bruce. of Bon Jovi you know um all of it um, you got a long career in video production. Yeah. So we started out, um, gosh, it's, it's probably been close to 20 years now, uh, yeah. starting out with one of the, the early and first forays into, uh, into video and content syndication. Uh, you know, we kind of joked back then, you know, it, if you can remember back, I'm going to date myself here, but it was a Windows media player. You know, we sure. joked if we could get the Windows media player to pop up, that was a win. Um, but yeah, so we started, <laughs> you know, I worked for us. Yeah. <laughs> worked for a, a startup called Jumbo, um, you know, eventually acquired by Undertone uh, back in the day, which was kind of a, a predecessor to five men. If you remember that kind of model where. Sure. Content city syndication, uh, video production, player technology, and of course, uh, the video advertising that went along with it and just kind of getting the message out for the, the brands and the content uh, creators and, and then creating additional revenue streams for the publishers. You were one of those early guys trying to figure out how to monetize the internet, like figure out, okay, we've got all the, you know, media is starting to play a, a, a bigger role on the internet than, you know, just, you know, text sites or chat rooms or whatever the internet was you know in the late 90s early 2000s but once those players started to develop once like you know a video play, like quicktime started you had to figure out okay well now we know people are using you know there's there's media and now we know people are actually engaging with it where can we fit the advertising in right. uh, i'm curious like um because i got lots of you know Got lots of production people I know, you know, throughout my life. Like there's a certain type of person who likes to be behind the camera who can kind of um, control that medium and be able to, to tell that story um, and not only maybe edit on the fly, but actually edit. Um, I'm curious, like, what was that where you started? You know, like, were you were you just a passionate? Were you the dude with the camera at the parties? <laughs> no. No, I was kind of the the guy behind the guy. Um, yep. So I, I think uh, you know there there was people that I knew and friends that you know were passionate about. Um, hey, you know, kind of creating that content and putting that out. Um, and, and I was more of the connector. You know, it was hey, I've created this piece. What do I do with it? Where does it go? You know, how do I get eyeballs on it? How do I work? You know, how do I get my message out? How do I show this to other people? And I think that's kind of where I've always fit in. I, I've been more of the connector piece as to, yeah, you know what? We have this great content. It fits this type of audience. You know, how can we get that message in front of them? And that's always kind of the biz dev role that I've uh, had throughout my career is kind of putting those pieces together and then getting that content out there. How do you focus? Like, so what are those connections you're making, right? Like there, there, there always lies that like world between, you know, art and business, you know, the connector, right? So what are those connections? Like, I mean, it's not like, 
you know, you, you had a video, your, your, your video guy was like, Hey, Al, I, I mean, I made this commercial, this Toyota commercial on my computer, you know, like, what do I, you know, it's, it's beautiful. What do I do with it? You know, like, what is that connection? Uh, I think that connection really is, uh, it's a couple things, right? So I, I don't think it really started with the advertisement or the commercial. Uh, it was more the content, right? So it was, Hey, you know what, this is, there's a ton of content out there and it's what content speaks to people and what content is done well and what content is really drives home value. You know, someone can engage with it. Someone can understand it. Someone can use it in a certain way and share it. Um, and then from there, like I said, that's when kind of the marrying come comes in and says, okay, Hey, you know what? I have this content and this fits and I have this, you know, publisher and that's their core audience. And I think they would really enjoy uh, looking at these things. And then, uh, and then you've got uh, both the content creator and the publisher. And of course, neither one wants to incur even additional costs of, hey, the video and, and the CDN and things like that. So it's now it, there's that third partnerships. So then it's it's going out and finding that advertiser that says, hey, look, we like to marry these three things together, the content, the publisher, um, the advertising. Let's put all those pieces together. Um, so that way it's a win, win, win. Right. So the you know, the content provider is getting in front of an audience that, um, you know, that they want to be in front of. The publisher is making additional revenue. The the user of that publisher site is getting, you know, added value to the site without having to, to pay anything additional um, because it's ad supported. And then, of course, the advertiser, again, is getting in front of that audience that they want. And they're helping a, a, a content creator um, and a publisher at the same time, you know, kind of get this message out and kind of interact uh, with that audience. So in those early days, were you focused on like, not only like figuring out um, maybe consumer personas, right? This is like almost pre like real data or analytics, right? So you're typically anecdotally, although sometimes a little more in depth than that, but like trying to figure out who's uh, consuming this content and who, who does that consumer of content fit with like on a, so what kind of, you know, what were your customer personas, right? Yeah. So it was, you know, the very early days, um, you know, today, you know, even for Canaview, we have a, you know, a Canagraph that really is kind of an all encompassing, you know, look at, you know, a vast majority of the adult U S population. And there's all sorts of different segments and first and third party data and, Back then, uh, you know, there was really, it was, and you hear this now, you know, it's kind of funny, you kind of hear that what's old is new again. It, it was a lot of contextual, right? Mm. And, and and you're starting to hear that word come back again, right? Because, you know, we've all heard about the cookie list world and you know, how things are going to change and what people are going to do in this change. You know, so there was a lot of um, contextual drivers and, and the very early, early parts of data. Um, you know, it was nothing like that is available now, but you know, the, the original driver again was contextual and trying to find out. And then from there, um, you know, it was a lot of kind of experimentation, kind of AB testing, kind of seeing what played out, who reacted with what and kind of finding out, okay, Hey, this predominantly, you know, you're using more like, um, you know, like a comm score or quantcast or someone like that, their data. And you're sitting there saying, okay you know, where this fits in and this skews male or female or high household income or some, something like that. And you're trying to see who engaged. And it was almost, 
it was almost like an exercise in and of itself to try to figure out what was working, what was it. And, you know, okay, if this is working on these types of sites with these types of audiences and we know the background, um, it wasn't in real time the way it is now, but, you know, we, we would then try to find that next one and go from there. So, um, it, it's funny because I, I, I think I have a tendency to try to find these wild, wild West points. I don't know if I do it on purpose or, or, or not, but it was, you know, we were early on the video side, you know, when we started off try on, it was, you know, wasn't reinventing the wheel. It was just kind of flipping from, you know, more desktop traditional model into mobile uh, when mobile wasn't doing anything. Um, and now here we are in the cannabis side and we're still, you know, on the forefront of that, trying to figure things out. So, um, you know, it, it's interesting to see how some of these pieces have evolved and overlap. Yeah. It's like, you're starting over again because, yep. and I want to, I want to get into this because this is like a huge part of it, but uh, you know, the, the, the challenges of digital advertising. I mean, I feel like probably anybody listening to this has heard me talk about this ad nauseum, but we're definitely going to get into it. You and I about that. Um, but, uh, before we do, I'm, I'm, I want to go back to like those kind of those personas and working backwards. It's almost like, you know, as, as you were talking, I'm like picturing like, wow, you could almost like write a scene for Mad Men in the time <laughs> period that Mad Men takes place in and just swap out like, you know, any of the scenes where they're doing, you know, uh, uh, you know, feedback sessions with, with, you know, uh, panels and that sort of thing. And just replace the medium of like time life magazine with, you know, the internet, right? Like yep. the, the, the methods of figuring sheet. out like what the end product is going to be for the advertiser is, is the, it, it's the same thing. And then now, like, I feel like people who are still doing print kind of still have those conversations, but as you alluded to, like the wealth of data and un this is a the other big topic we're going to get into is, is data and how that kind of, has influenced the growth of your business, but like now you have data, like you don't, there is no, you don't need to worry about anecdotal. You can see exactly where people click, where, where even sometimes where their eyes are on a screen, you know, there's so many points of data beyond just like where in the world they are, what gender they are, what age they are. Like that's the easy stuff, right? Collecting all that stuff. There's as you, as you said, like, you know, hundreds of other data points that, that can then influence an actual ad campaign, right? It's like going back to, um, not going back, like doing the exact opposite of what you had to do, you know, when you were starting Tryon. Yeah. It, it's, it's amazing where the data world has gone. And, um, and, and now, just like you said, you almost do it in the opposite direction. Uh, you you kind of look at uh, the breakdown of, um, you know, what is this segment? What are they? You know, I'm not just looking for is this a male or female. You have, you know, you're, you've targeted that person. You have that data now. You, you hopefully you have that purchase data as well. And now you're taking a look and and now you're dissecting um, what you have. So it's not just uh, hey, this is Al and he's, you know, male and he's this age and, you know, these things, but it's, you know, what, who is Al, right? What does he do? What does he like? What, what else does he, what else is he into? What, where else does he shop? And then you're trying to figure out, uh, you know, who are the like people that would kind of fit in? Like, is there a persona in here? And you're almost building that, but instead of just contextually, you're using full data layer sets 
Um, mm-hmm. You know, for example, we, you know, had a client that was doing, um, you know, was finding their high repeat purchasers, right? So they looked at everything and they started to run marketing campaigns towards, um, you know, an affluent, right? And they try to spruce things up, package everything together and say, hey, this is really what we want to do because these are our high-end users. These are our high HHI clients. And we started to break down their data and started to look at the first-party data and things like that, their point-of-sale data. And we said, yeah, you know what? You're marketing all these people the same, but in reality, you have a couple of different segments. And what really you have is two huge segments. Yes, you do have a group that spends a good deal. Uh, you know, uh, They have a high ticket order. And they are part of your high HHI group. However, you have this other group over here that is spending just as much. And if you look at the data, they're probably spending more than they really should be every month on your product. Um, and they're not the high HHI. They're they're what you know we kind of dubbed a super fan. Um, yeah. But you're marketing them the same way. Uh, so a you know, as you were, just because. The only thing you looked at was, you know, what's this average ticket price and how often? Oh, they're buying this ticket price every month. So this must be this. And it's like the the data has come along, you know, so far over the years that now you can look at that and say, hey, if I'm going to market this, I'm going to market two separate campaigns here. This this campaign here is going to go towards my affluent buyer, but this campaign here is going to go towards my super fan. And, you know, I'm going to do some different things with them, you know, and and reward them and, you know. And hopefully, because usually when you find that person, um, you're also finding people that are are talking about your brand and and mm-hmm. driving word of mouth and telling others about your brand and things like that. So, um, you know, that's that's really where we are today. Uh, you know, on the data side, is you know, we it's can, fascinating. So you know, that it is. I'm curious. So, is it no longer a volume game in terms of like? the ROI for, for buyers. So like, what I mean is like, you know, 20 years ago or, you know, now to get a, to get a commercial on the Super Bowl, which hopefully has the, the eyes of every American or something like that will cost whatever millions of dollars for a 15 second spot, you know, um, and that's, you know, so that's a volume game. I'm hoping every American sees this ad and, buys a f-150 or whatever as opposed right. to now i'm just targeting the exact people who i know will drive an f-150 bad example the you know most popular car ever made in america everyone right. has one but you get my point like am i just targeting those exact people versus like i'm hoping millions of people see this thing and remember who my company is it's definitely i don't think i would go both. so far to say it's only right but it's definitely more towards that so really it is um, there's two parts to it, right? So yes, I think marketers are becoming so much smarter, so much more efficient, right? They, they break down the data. They have teams of analysts, right? Uh, mm-hmm. They're looking at everything and they're trying to find, you know, exactly. And then they're, they're finding that person. Um, but then again, there's always going to be a certain portion that is what I'll call uh, the net new, right? So mm-hmm. you, you, you still need to go out and find and maybe kind of expand the the limitations. It it might not be Super Bowl, right? It's not I'm spraying it out to sure. you know everybody across the the U.S. But there's still like okay, let's let's try this, you know, this or that. Let's try this piece. 
let's try a different message. Let's try a different audience. How does it resonate? Um, I mean, we've, we've all seen, yeah. And we've all seen brands, which are, right. They might have multiple products that technically are the same product. They just have a different packaging and different name and they have a different target audience. And, and it's like, okay, this is really basically the same, but I'm going to gear this towards the millennial and I'm going to gear this towards, you know, the senior, uh, you know, and, and we're going to message it out that way. But in reality, the, the product itself, you know, is fairly similar. Um, I, I mean, so- I, I see it because you know, I, I'm an avid consumer of YouTube content. You know, I've cut, cut, you know, the cable years and years ago. So YouTube is just one of, one of the outlets. I swear to God, Febreze will, it, it, I, I swear they're putting all their marketing dollars into me personally. Like, this is how I feel. Uh, and if you're listening, Febreze, there's not a chance in hell I'm ever going to buy your product. It's disgusting and it doesn't smell good. But every commercial I get on YouTube, so so I can see that where it's like, you know, maybe targeted to a specific demographic, but also like it's almost the only ad I see. <laughs> You know, right. Exactly. And, and, and just like that. Right. So they might have, you know, they might take a certain cent of that and market it towards one group and then take, you know, hey, uh, you know, I know you've got young kids and they're playing and their sports equipment stinks. And that, now I'm going to market it to that parent group. But essentially, it's still the same product, um, same you know, right. So but it's just they're going to now find different ways in different segments. And again, it, a lot of it's testing and then you're, you're seeing what works, what doesn't. Uh, and the part that did work, you're, you're trying to find, you're digging through the data to try to find the, the unique connections, you know, where are the links, where, where are the overlaps, uh, to kind of build out a market segment. Um, to totally go off topic, there's something that sort of, there, there's usually a moment in, in, in every entrepreneur's career where they like get a deal or they're able to hire somebody or whatever and it's just like the first milestone event like you know where you like close a deal and you're like yeah you know you're you're basically like play i'm you know i'm hey i'm mr sales guy yeah yeah no problem oh we can definitely do the deal i'll send the contracts over tomorrow and then you hang up the phone you're like oh my god i can't believe oh thank god (laughs) you know i'm curious i'm curious i'm curious if you can relate to that and what that was for you um on the canavue side uh sure uh well treon was first right i feel like that was yeah uh, yeah, let's let's go back in time because because you were younger so probably there was like maybe some moments where you're like what the hell am i doing or like you know no one wants to hire us or or whatever yeah Um, maybe you didn't have that problem (laughs) oh we we definitely had that problem i think uh anybody who's ever worn the label uh, entrepreneur has had that problem um so we you know so we were starting out um and i I don't know if you you're familiar with the the wreck it brand uh which is really an umbrella of brands it's it's most people don't know the name but if you've seen all their products. The best thing to say is like they're a PNG or a, a J and J of, of just CPG products. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we're working on, again on, we've now flipped. So Tryon has now flipped this, you know, desktop video solution into this mobile video solution. Um, and you, and you're really in the early days of mobile and you're trying to get, uh, you know, video and space and things like that. And, um, and, and 
it, I'll be blunt. It is, if you've ever dealt with them, it is not the best of what we'd call CPMs or <laughs> rates, but we were struggling at that time just to have traction and, and just be like, Hey, you know what? We can run X and yep. all, all of a sudden, yeah, all of a sudden they're like, well, Hey, could, could you handle? And they, they literally came in and said, basically said to us, uh, you know, in, in our terms, like, you know, we're going to help fund this thing because it's like, okay, we're like, okay, we're going to go from where we are now and we're going to quadruple what we're doing uh, just because we're going to bring on this brand, you know, this brand umbrella and we're going to start running everything. Uh, um, and, and of course, like you said, you're on the phone going, yeah, yeah, we've got yeah, no problem. We will, we'll clear that out. We don't have we'll any do it on worries. time and under budget. <laughs> right. And then, and then you hang up the phone and then you're like, you can't believe it happened and you're, you're ecstatic, right? You're like, ah, oh, this is great. You're going great. You know, and you have the, that, that celebration time. And then all of a sudden reality sinks in and you're like, yes, holy deliver. crap, how are we going to deliver this? Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then it's like all hands on deck and you're just trying to figure things out from there. And I think, well, uh, that's the I, best I, thing. I think everybody's had that moment, right? <laughs> well, I love hearing about it too. Like, it's one of my favorite things to ask guests because like, yes, you're right. Everybody, you know, unless they, they just flat out like failed right out the gate. Um, or the opposite, we're just flat out like rocket success out the gate, which neither of the, you know, right. neither of those things tend to happen. Right. Um, yeah, this is, this is, a, this is a sort of thing that all entrepreneurs can relate with, which is like, you know, it's most commonly referred to as fake it till you make it. Right. So you're putting on an act like, yes, I can definitely do this thing that in your brain, you're like, I'm not actually sure I can do it, but I'm going <laughs> to say I can because I have to. And if I don't, then the, the you know, right. the other company they're going to talk to is, is going to get it and I'm screwed. Right. Then we really are screwed. We build the bridge as we cross it. Or if you're <laughs> can of planners, you build the bridge as we burn it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh I'm curious what you're the first chief revenue officer we've had on uh the podcast. I'm curious what your day-to-day is like. Uh you know, if there was a, a typical day-to-day, I I'd give it to you. Uh, but especially <laughs> in the market that we're in, you know, I, I kind of overlap uh, a, a few things, you know, I deal with, you know, obviously you know, the revenue side. So different revenue streams in from different sides. Uh, the Tryon side being more of a, a tech and uh, branding side, the cannabis side, obviously being a cannabis and CBD accelerator. Um, you know, I deal with, you know, overseeing kind of the VP of sales and his sales team and, and things of that nature. And then, um, you know, I also deal in, um, a lot of times working on the big strategic partnerships, right? So, so it might not be that, um, you know, that IO or that, that specific deal to run that very specific campaign, but it's okay, whether it's the a brand or an MSO or an agency or whatever, you know, getting everyone, you know, in place, getting everything set up, connecting all the dots, making sure any of the tech integrations are, are done and really just kind of setting up the, the overall, uh, you know, business relationship is what I deal in most of the time. Uh, and then start to work to then bring in my sales team um, to help on the very specifics. Okay. So now that we have everything, um, you know, set up, we have everything integrated, we know what you want to do. 
where do you want to really start with your first campaign? And then I bring in my, my, my sales team, my account management team uh, to go through and sit there and say, okay, I know you now want to target this specific audience in this specific area. So let's, this is what we're going to do. So um, the fun thing is I get to do a lot, right? I get to do things like this, right? I get to do, you know, do some marketing pieces, some public facing things. Um, Like we, like you said, not as many, conferences over the last year or so, but you know, that looks like it's coming back. Um, Definitely. You know, I get to deal with and, and, and speak to a lot of, uh, a lot of marketing, you know, you know, CMOs and marketing people as to the challenges of their brands. Um, and also I deal with a lot of, uh, I guess you'd almost call them like a, a general manager, you know, on the, on the websites who are, they're trying to figure out their e-com and they're trying to figure out how to drive sales and, and, you know, better their ROAS and go, you know, go through and, and do that. So I think that's kind of the fun part about my job is I, I don't have a typical day to day. I kind of touch so many different pieces of it. Um, yeah. but you know, I can definitely main, relate to that. Yeah. Which is, you know, but the main thing for, for me is, is kind of the large strategic partnerships and kind of that vision as to, you know, where we're going as a company and, and within this industry. Well, I, I probably deep down inside, you're still a sales guy at heart. And, you know, <laughs> the thing about sales guys is, you know, try as we might, but, you know, it's hard to resist uh, the occasional deal closing, right? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, you mentioned before that, like, um, as you were, like, transitioning, tr- so Tryon purchased Canaview or was it the, uh, how did that merger work? Yeah, so so the way it worked was Triumph merged into Canaview. So uh, Triumph was the older partner, and Canaview uh, we had worked with, and, and we had known the co-founders, uh, and had worked with them in, in different companies in the past. To, you know, on the Triumph side, and, and as the Canaview brand started, um, I think a lot of the people, um, them included, right, thought that this would be a lot easier than it is. Right. I, I think <laughs> they thought to that. Talk about this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think, uh, you know, because the ad industry has grown up so much, I, I think there was a feeling that, hey, you know what, we can run programmatic, you know, we can kind of set these things up. Um, you know, we can use the DSP, you know, we, we've already got some inventory sources. It'll be plug and play. It'll be great. Um, no, none of it. Um, you know, if and even today, right, even today from the Canna side, there's still no Google. There's no Facebook, right? You're you're not doing promoted uh, social. You could do some things on the CBD side. Uh, you got to be careful what you say. And, and there's a lot That's of frustration. That's all like, yeah. You know, as we're as we're taping this or recording this in June, like that's only like a month old. Like a couple months, yeah. that you've been able to like weasel CBD and like without having landing pages or secondary right. Instagram accounts or those sorts of things, you know, via educational sources. So, so let's get into this, right? Cause, uh, the, the marketing challenges, like it's not surprising that company, you know, I, <laughs> they all called me too, all of them <laughs> saying, Hey man, boy, do we have a solution for you? It's called programmatic advertising. And we're going to like make all your clients millionaires by, uh, putting their advertisements on the shittiest of inventory you can imagine. And it's going to cost a lot of money too. <laughs> um, so because cannabis, right? Because whatever reason, you know, federal, uh, federal legalization or 
I don't know, whatever, whatever it says within the, the depths of uh, the terms of service agreements that you click, I agree on without reading. Um, it's presented numerous challenges for um, businesses operating in the cannabis space. And let's just talk about um, let's just talk about CBD, because I think that that's the one that makes the least sense. Right. Like if there's going to be marketing challenges towards dispensaries like that might just be kind of the the burden they take on uh, as being, you know, front runners in this formerly illicit game. But CBD companies are no different than, you know, a vitamin company or, or a, a, any wellness company. So why were, would they have the same sort of marketing challenges as a cannabis company? So you alluded to social media not really wanting to play with us. You alluded to Google, Google the largest ad network in the world, uh, not wanting to take cannabis dollars. How did you, so I'm curious, A, why do you think, why, why don't these big companies want our money? Why won't they let us advertise with them? And B, how do you, and still, because these challenges still exist, how did you kind of, uh, what was the crystal ball you were looking at, right? When can it, when the acquisition of Canaview kind of was put on your table and how are you still like making sure that that future you saw because we're not there yet, is right. achievable. You see what I'm saying? Was that a convoluted yeah. enough question? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, in parts, uh, I think the why right now is, um, I, I think to them it's risk, right? There's still a stigma. And to be honest with you, right, anybody that looks into it and says, you know, cannabis versus hemp-derived CBD, right, they're completely two different things. Um, but you know, those big players, um, with everything that's going on, you know, I think are, are, are like, Hey, you know what? We're okay to sit here on the sidelines, let somebody else take the risks, let them kind of fight it out. And if we need to, when we need to get in, we'll, we'll kind of go grab somebody and, and we'll hop in or we'll kind of mimic and, and try to see what we can do there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's kind of the why I think it's really just, uh, you know, Waiting. we're not going to get our hands dirty yeah, type of thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, for us and, and kind of the crystal ball, you know, that was the interesting thing between, you know, Tryon and Canavio, right? So we work with all these direct publishers, right? Everything wasn't programmatic. Uh, and it's still one of the, you know, I'll call it one of the charms, right. Uh, of, of still mm-hmm. working with us. We don't just randomly plug things into an SSP and hope that it works, right? You know, mm-hmm. it's not a hundred percent. It's not all of our publishers we work with direct and we do do programmatic and retargeting. Uh, but we do have a large publisher base and we were able to go out and we're able to pick up the phone, shoot out an email, talk to them. What, you know, what are you doing? What are you accepting? And that's kind of how this, this started, right? It was, we had, uh, you know, clients coming to us saying, I, I've, you know, it's just, you could hear the frustration in their voices. Uh, you know, I've tried this, I've tried that, I got blocked here. And, and what we kept seeing over and over was uh, people that started and then days later were declined, right? So somehow yes. they got through, they were approved, right. they ran for two to three days. They're like, yes, we're going, here it is, we're working. And then all of a sudden they checked their stats the next morning. They're like, wait a minute, this, this thing shut off at 10, 10 o'clock last night and uh, I can't figure out how to get back on. And then all of a sudden they're rejected, right? And it's like, now you're running a, you know, CBD. Um, 
you know, so we went out to directly to the publishers and we started with the the cannabis side, figuring that was kind of the harder and higher sale, right? And said, yo, hey, look, there's this whole new category in this whole new world. Um, and, and you're an LDA compliant site. And, you know, would you have interest uh, in running this? Uh, and, and if you had the yes from them, you know, and, and testing it out, uh, the nice thing is we were a trusted partner of theirs, right? It wasn't some new company and some new brand that was saying, oh, by the way, hey, I'm the new Canna advertiser and I want to advertise on your site. It was, you know, hey, we've been working with these clients for right. nine years. And they were like, yeah, you know what? I don't know how I feel about it, you know? And we got every type of answer, right? From like, yeah, let's try it to, I'm not sure, let's do a test to let me contact legal, right? You got a little yeah. bit of everything. Right. Um, but we were able to go to them and, and say, look, this is this is what we have. This is the opportunity. And if they said no to the cannabis side, then we would then fall back on the CBD side, say, OK, hey, if cannabis wasn't your, you know, is that's a little too progressive. What do you think about CBD? Because, thing. again, like you said, we almost look at CBD as the as the supplement right. side. Right. Right. You know, it's like you, it really shouldn't be as many issues there are with with CBD. Um, the ironic thing with CBD is you would think it would be cannabis. That would be the, like the advertising issue in terms of like the FDA and like things like that. It's really the CBD side yeah. and where the CBD side falls into trouble is, uh, making medical claims, right? Hey, take this totally. for this, right? It will relieve right. your pain. It cures this. It, it does that. It'll help you sleep. Um, ironically, the CBD side, though you'd think it would be easier, um, tends to be the one that butts up against the FDA all the time. And, and uh, 100% of the time. Yeah. So, I mean, so that's kind of how it all came about. You know, it was a lot of handholding and phone calls and one-on-ones. And Well, I think that's you know, the important, you know, like that's, that's the benefit of <clears throat> um, the route you took, right? You, you had Tryon, which had, you know, been, nurturing these publisher relationships for forever right so just you know as opposed to <laughs> kind of the route i took which was we're starting a marketing agency for cannabis i'm quitting my job tomorrow and we're starting this company right like from nothing <laughs> as opposed to like being able to fall back on the rich history of something i had done prior and then just full you know pivot um i, I mean i i imagine most of your publishers were open to it in some capacity, right? Like, you know, eventually because you had that, that, that sort of trust factor that you'd just been building on for. Yeah. We had the, uh, again, in the early days, CBD way more, but we, we probably had 70 to 80% of the publishers in the very beginning that were like, yeah, you know what? I'm not really sure about the cannabis side of things. Uh, I'm not sure where that's going just yet, but you know, I'm willing to try out the the CBD side. And, and I'd probably say there's maybe in the very beginning, 20 to 25% of the publishers that were on, you know, that were like, yep, let's, let's go on the cannabis side and we'll do the CBD as well. And, and we'll go from there. Um, as everything progresses, right. As you see new States going uh, medical, new States going recreational, you're starting to see that turn of, you know, support, you know, for, you know, across the polls in the U S more and more publishers are starting to see the ads out there and they're starting to see 
what they look like, right? We build right. A, a lot of the ads as well, right? And uh, yeah. we have a whole, you know, a whole compliance sheet that we go through and double check, and you know, an AI that checks everything as well. And it's it's, you know, we're, we the ads themselves, you know, there's there's strict guidelines as to what we can show, what we can't, you know, and, and you know, we're not. I think in the beginning, publishers were worried about like, hey, we're going to throw like these, you know people smoking. So I, I already right? know. Yeah, where you're you know? yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's like, uh, that's not where we're going with this and here. And then, you know, we were able to show them some of the ad creatives and they're like, Oh, they're like, that's, that's beautiful. You know, I love it. And you know, it's, it's done in a tasteful way. It shows the product. It's not really going overboard on anything. It's not making any claims. And they're like, I'm comfortable with this. Uh, and right. you know, and again, I think, you know, like we talked about with the pu publishers and, and getting them to try it, it's a trust factor and, you know, yeah. we've done right by them and we make sure we continue to do so. Yeah. I mean, that's a, t it's interesting hearing you say that because we take a very similar approach now, granted we're not, you know, purely because of things like FDA and more importantly for our CBD clients, you know, payment processing, right? Like the payment processors um, have those same exact, st you know, the reason why all those standards are exist basically are because of the payment processing uh, situation. Um, but we see all those same things. And it's, it's, I, I always love hearing about this imaginary dichotomy that I, I see all the time of like, uh, you know, uh, lifelong or, or tried and true cannabis consumers. And then, um, the people who marketing people are trying to turn into cannabis consumers. Right. And, you know, on the one side, uh, there may be a, a projection that like, because of traditional marketing tactics, like, you know, people smoking weed or like wh whatever, you know, Cheech and Chuck, like whatever, you know, whatever stoner uh, stereotypes you have. Yes. Put that into an ad situation The you know, that that's the projection from one side of the aisle. And the other side is that, that's going to change. And now we're going to welcome in all these new people. And even that's scary. But meanwhile, for, you know, I, I, I read about this all the time because I'm an idiot who reads blogs like this, but like that, uh, there's almost like, a, a, a pushback now happening on sort of the commercialization of, of the emerging cannabis industry. Meanwhile, like, I think it's the most important thing because not only are you reaching a wider uh, number of clients, a bigger, like an actual bigger number of potential customers, you're pushing the war on drugs way the fuck back, right? Yep. You're actually like taking this thing that like has stigma because of uh, traditional imagery or uh, propaganda, you know, mostly. Um, <laughs> And, and trying to remove those things. So, so it's just refreshing to hear like that you're taking that same approach, you know, for, yeah. for different reasons, but the same. Yeah. And it's, it's just like uh, a standard of quality. It's a definitely. And, and even the data supports it. Right. So when we look at back on who is, you know, who the purchasers and we're, we're going through, you know, the point of sale systems and we're working with the brands, um, Yes, you know what? I, millennials are are probably you know they're the number one target, but the number two target, you know, the number two purchaser behind them, seniors, right? Yep. And that's all, 
you know, that's all, you know, pain and, you know, and that's, that's even kind of my journey into, you know, my own personal journey into, into this, um, you know, I have four herniated discs in my neck and two in my back. And, you know, I have, you know, when I went to the doctors, I was, you know, here's Valium, here's Vicodin, here's Oxycontin, here's Lyricate. I mean, I was loaded up with, you know, so I had the choice to either be in pain or, you know, be like a glass of water that couldn't even, you know, I was just knocked out to the world. Um, And, you know, and I found through, you know, New Jersey has always had a a medical program uh, that, you know, that because I was in such bad shape, you know, that I qualified for and I dumped all that stuff down the toilet. Right. And it's, that's kind of how my personal journey on this whole thing, um, you know, started. Right. And it's interesting because so many people that I now speak with and work with, they're all over the place, right. They are, you know, me that that's in pain or they might be elderly or had an elderly family member, or they might be that, Hey, just that recreational pot smoker that just, just enjoys, you know, relaxing. And and the, sure. the thing is we, we all come from all over the place, but you know, everybody in this industry that I've seen, um, you know, has been, you know, it's a pretty accepting and a pretty open kind of industry. And, and there are, you know, like you said, some that are kind of worried about, you know, or against that com- commercialization because they're used to things the way it was and, kind of their own, uh, you know, their own little market and how things run. But, um, you know, you're seeing everybody use this, oh, yeah. you know, our biggest growth sectors right now, uh, is Gen Z, which is the youngest group yeah. that is starting to become legal and, and females. Yeah. You know, the, the female audience, uh, is the biggest that we're seeing on the data side is the biggest net new, uh, purchasing segment. And just continues to grow. So I think like everybody that thought like like you said it was going to be Chichi Chang or, or Spicoli, right? Yeah. You know, uh, <laughs> uh, you know there is that person. You know there is that. Sure. But but there's also so many other people on that spectrum. Absolutely, I am. Uh, I hit many of the data points on the spectrum. So I'm, I'm your Spicoli. I'm your Med user. I'm your this. I'm your that. Uh, I want to talk about data. At what point did you step back and realize that data was becoming a bigger revenue driver? Or maybe it's not. I don't, I don't know. But when, when was it becoming a competitive revenue driver to creative? Uh, it was, I think, from day one, it was always in the back of our minds. All right. You knew. Because... You knew that this thing, you know, this as macro and as as detailed as data can be in terms of all the, the, you know, points of interest that, that, uh, advertisers want to track, like you knew. Right. You know, just, just from dealing again, from having kind of that CPG background and seeing what they were doing, uh, and seeing how they use data, seeing how much data they purchase on their end and what they're you know doing with their DMPs and things like that. Yeah. We knew, uh, you know, it, and not to joke, but in the beginning, like we talked sure. about, we were just like, Hey, we had to be an inventory source, right? We, we had to be a spot. And, and that was kind of how it started, right? We were just a, hey, you can't get this campaign run anywhere. We'll do that for you. We'll help you out. Um, but that's not a, a long-term st- sustainable business model, nor is it um, you know, the best thing for each brand, right? So we kind of knew from day one 
that data was going to become kind of the the key point, you know, uh, to be out front. Um, and just since then, and really, um, the pandemic, ironically, kind of accelerated everything, right? Mm-hmm. Because as traditional brands, right, we were working with Pepsi and we were doing a bunch of stuff that uh, was tied to all their different sporting events <laughs> around, you know, in each different city, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, when all the sports shut down, it's like, okay, well, we're not advertising, but the, the CBD and the cannabis side started to grow. Um, you know, that's when we started to, to start to see people say like, okay, you know what? I want to target this audience. All right. I feel that this is my target audience. And we're saying like, yeah, well, let's try to put these pieces together. Let's start to use them. And now you're starting to see, especially the more savvy, uh, marketers, they're leading with that. You know, they, they, they're being hired from right agencies and traditional marketing and, and traditional brands. And they're trying to bring those things and they're sitting there saying, okay, you know, what data do you have? What first party, what third party, what can I tap into? How do I mm-hmm. find this audience? How do I learn about the, you know, my audience and my purchasers and dive a little deeper? And we knew right from day one, that's where it was going. And now you're just, you're starting to see, and it's still, you know, the wave is just starting to, to come out of the water. Like it's, it's still the very beginning, um, but just moving forward, it's, it's going to be, um, yeah, it's going to be the the first thing that everybody talks about when they're looking at their campaigns. One hundred percent. And with it, you don't have to get obviously uh, too specific or into too much proprietary information. But I'm curious, kind of like the business model of data, right? So I'm a potential client, right? I have a, a for, you know I, I'm a potential client of yours. I have certain goals in mind, a certain budget. Uh, I come to you, you pitch me a, a campaign and you show me exactly who, who that campaign's going to get in front of how, walk me through that a little bit. So the data side, what's interesting about the data side is it, it can really run the gamut. Um, so it can be anything from what you just described, right. And you might have a smaller client that's looking to set up, um, you know, that's looking to set up. A, a campaign and they're looking to target a specific audience and they want to see what segments might work or what, you know, and, and they're trying to basically just target for the net new. And, and we're kind of pulling those and we're showing what people have targeted and, and we're showing both from the, the Canada world and a lot from the CPG world, you know, what has worked in the past and we're, we're kind of helping them or educating or guiding them. Um, that goes from that all the way up to, you know, you're talking enterprise level. If you were an MSO and you really wanted to start to connect the dots between all your dispensaries, you know, you talked about the payment processing and things like that. Uh, the knowledge of the data and how different things connect between different dispensaries. And then there's different brands of dispensaries. And then there's different brands owned by that same MSO in each of those dispensaries and kind of connecting all those parts. Um, you know, that's when someone's really diving deep and they're, they're really treating their company as a, you know, as a true CPG brand. And and they're trying to learn the insights of their, uh, you know, both of their clients and their products. Um, so it, it can run everything from just, yeah, let's walk through one single campaign and let's show you, you know, how you can target, how we can do this, you know, and we'll kind of fold a little bit of everything. Here's the compliance, here's the creative, here's the data. Uh, here's the inventory, you know, here's how it works all the way to, you know, on an enterprise level, you know, here's what you're seeing, here's what you can see, and here's how you can market segment, you know, kind of how we talked about 
the high HHI uh, people earlier, um, you know, and then finding out, you know, how do I set up these markets? How do I market to each one of these consumers? Where do I find them? How can I set up specific campaigns to them? And really having them, you know, kind of own their own data, because to be honest with you, there's still a lot of, you know, even the largest of large, right, of MSOs that are still trying to figure out like, okay, I'm sitting on this treasure trove of data, mm. right? I, I have this information from my clients, you know, they've purchased, they've given me the information. I don't know what to do with it. Yeah. Um, so that's where we help them. Put it all together, build the puzzle, rip it apart, put it back together for them. Yep. Um, so one thing I've been kind of, as we go through our own little, you know, modest bit of scale, I'm always curious about acquisition. Like, you know, like, like, you know, it's like we were talking about earlier where, you know, that first sale was like, we need this. Hey, Al, we need this, this, and this. And you're like, yeah, no problem. But then like that, you know, then it becomes a reality and more and more people are saying that to you. Right. And you're able to sustain it until you hire whomever. And then you're able to sustain that until you hire whomever. But if you're trying to like, you know, follow a SAS model or at least be like, I don't know how to say this articulately, but successful on a, on a entirely different scale than maybe other businesses. Right. <laughs> you have to be thinking about client acquisition and going from, five sales a month to 55 sales a month. Right. So I'm always curious about those sorts of things, especially with, with companies like yours, like, and, and as chief revenue officer, like, I'm sure this is something that you're, you're thinking about. So like beyond uh, implementing your own marketing tactics, w- walk me through that a little bit. Like, go, uh, you know, go, going from that one client to now you got 20 clients. Now you got 120 clients. So, yeah, I mean, in the very beginning, uh, it, it was difficult for, for a couple of reasons. Uh, you, know, mo- you know, not just the stuff we talked about in terms of inventory and where you could place it and things you could do, but the industry itself, right? There wasn't a lot of data out there. The industry itself is, is you know, a brand new market segment. So, you know, there was a, uh, I guess you call it a trial period, right? Or a trial yeah. and error period maybe is a sure. better <laughs> phrase for it, right? Um, where we were just like, you know, we were testing a, a lot of different things and we were honing in on, you know, what worked and what didn't. And, you know, we were fortunate enough um, to have a lot of great partners and a lot of great clients that were that were like, hey, you know what? Uh, you know, we haven't been able to do anything. So we're almost willing to try anything. Let, let's, let's, let's work together and let's figure it out. Um, you know, and that's, and then once we were able to get to a point where we would blend in, you know, kind of our high impact creative, uh, and kind of some upper funnel stuff and, and then the retargeting and the data, and we were able to show ROI and we were able to have a lower ROAS and, and drive, uh, you know, a lower CPA for our clients. We, we started to figure out, then it just became, uh, okay, now we know what we're doing. Um, so now it's a, how do we make it a repeatable, right. And a scalable product, yeah. right. So that, then it, that's a whole new set of challenges, right. Because, right. um, you know, 
when you're not the biggest of company, you can't you can't just turn on you know a thousand different clients to say, oh yeah, we'll we'll just do the same thing for all of them. We'll we'll do this. So um, let's hire ten sales I, I, guys. Let's put all of our money yeah. into retargeting. Let's do this. Let's do this. Let's do this. Go. Yeah. The nice yeah. part about having the try on back end was the tech side was built out and scalable and yeah, you already have uh, you know had a ton of connections. And I, I think that was why the the marriage of Tryon and Canaview was, you know, when, when we looked at it, everybody's like, yeah, this makes complete sense. Totally. Um, and, and that's what has helped us scale is because we'll use technology. Uh, and I, I don't need to add um, three to four people, you know, every time we, we add in another, you know, five or 10 clients, right? We, yep. we have, we have lanes, you know, things that can be repeatable or, or can be automated are automated by the technology. Um, things that, you know, that need that helping hand, you know, are handled by our staff, um, you know, and then we have a, a great staff that, again, I think because the, we had such a strong CPG background, um, it wasn't like we were crossing over into this new industry. We were more talking to them about this industry as, as to how they should be like the CPG industry and how eventually you're, you're going to be the new CPG industry Yeah, absolutely. Um, in that terms of growth. So, um, so that's just been kind of, you know, I think the technology, uh, you know, and, and the base of people that we had, you know, in the company helped us with what would have been scale pain points for a younger company. If it was say just the cannabis startup on its own. Totally. What's <laughs> I'm asking the chief revenue officer. I bet I can, uh, I bet I, I bet I know what the answer is going to be. What's more, what's more important for you guys being, uh, mission driven or sales focused and i know that they're not mutually exclusive they're they're both very important what what do you think is more important to i guess the growth of the company <laughs> well like, duh revenue <laughs> yeah well but but i I'm mean both, both of those things play into <laughs> it right like the, like the revenue is for sure the most yeah. important and for some companies it's the most important that's totally fine i'm just curious like where can of you falls into that the the revenue is the the lifeblood but the yeah. mission is the most important. Oh, I love right? the way you put that. Yeah, uh, that's yeah. totally it. Yeah, exactly. You got to believe because, in what you're doing and it'd be nice to pay to, to, to for it to be paid for. Right, exactly. Right. W without any revenue, we're, we're not around to, to do what we, we feel is right. Um, but we are a, a mission-driven company, right? And, uh, and the brands we work with are mission-driven brands, right? So it's really cool to see you know, you know, the backstory for each of these brands and you, and you talk to, and you, it's, you know, there's certainly some people that have just jumped in thinking, Hey, this is the next big thing. And I'm going to hop in and I'm going to try to, to make millions. There are, there are mm -hmm. some, but there's so many people that are like, Hey, I started this because of, you know, a pet that I had and I started this pet CBD line and it really helped and, you know, or an ant or, you know, and you start to hear this emotional story. Um, and with them again, same thing with them their product sales, that revenue is going to be their lifeblood, but it's never going to overtake their mission. Yeah. Um, and I feel that, you know, the moment we make this revenue first or, you know, revenue is the mission is, is the time when people will say, well, you know, cannabis is really fun. not the the spot for me. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and then you'll see the revenue go. So um, we, we, we're in a unique market segment that can do a lot of good, uh, socially, physically, right. Economically. It's, totally. it's incredible. 
I mean, when you look at all the all the aspects of life it touches, all the different people it touches, it, it's not segregated to any area, race, religion, anything. You name it, right? It's across the board, and it's uh, you know, and I think that's always going to be you know mission that will always be mission critical for for Canaview is you know how do we promote it? How do we help people? How do we help people use this product? How do we help new people find this product and hopefully change their lives? That's awesome. That, that was very well put. Um, I would, I would say that I'm, I'm totally aligned with that. <laughs> like the more I keep asking entrepreneurs like that, that specific question. The, yeah. Like th- that was very well put. So I don't want to take up too much of your, more of your time. I, I very much appreciate you, you know, hanging out with me. Um, I'm curious kind of what's next for Canaview, like as the continued challenges of marketing cannabis can continue to either become more confounded or less, depending on your point of view, uh, or where you work in the marketing of cannabis, uh, what's next? Uh, you know, I think if I had the crystal ball, I'd be a billionaire by now, but, um, you know, every day this market changes. You just saw just the other day, Connecticut, you know, go, uh, you know, legal. And, uh, you know, I think that's, that's where it is. You know, the next thing for us is, uh, you know, continuing to fight the stigma, right. And educate, yeah. uh, and kind of lift the industry in a, in, you know, as a whole. Right. And, uh, and in working with partners and then showing those partners, you know, how they can connect, you know, with certain experiences and in timely manners with their consumers, uh, and, and be a, a trusted brand for them. Um, and again, like like I said, it's it's kind of bringing, you know, all those things to the forefront and kind of, uh, you know, just continuing to take this very it's still very fledgling industry and fledgling business. Um, and, and kind of helping promote and getting it over into the next level. Um, because every day you're seeing momentum. Um, now, whether that momentum necessarily makes things easier or harder, yet to be seen. Totally. You, you never know where, where the rules, regulations, and, and laws are going to go. Um, but that's why we're here, right? That, you know, we're, it's forever an adventure, Al. It's forever yep. an adventure. And the, the beauty, uh, and I think the exciting part about um, you know, being on the forefront of a, of a whole new thing like this is that it's an adventure and you, you got to be prepared to, uh, go wherever the wind blows. Um, with that said, Al Shermer, thank you so much for, for chatting with me. Can you tell the people watching, listening, whatever, where they can find out more about can of you? Yeah. Yeah. First of all, thank you so much, Will, for having me. This is, uh, this is a lot of fun and, and I appreciate <laughs> it. Uh, you can check us out online at canaview.net, which is C-A-N-N-A-V-U.net. Uh, or you can email me directly at Al, just real simple, my first name, at Tryon, which is T-R-I-O-N as in Nancy, dot I-O. Awesome. We'll, uh, we'll link those below, not your email, but we'll, we'll link those websites both below in the description. Al Shermer, Chief Revenue Officer at Tryon at Canaview breaking ground with for, for cannabis advertising, making things happen. We appreciate you. Thank you to everybody listening. This has been another episode of Common Sense Mia. We will see you next time. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>